Hello and welcome to episode 40 of Generation GC. Oh my god, can you hear the excitement in my voice? Episode 40! That's crazy! 40 is so many episodes. That means that if each episode is about an hour, and honestly, most of them are a little over an hour, that's a full work week of Generation GC, at least. Wow. Today we're going to be talking about self-help from Generation RX, and my guests are Chris Qualls and Lindsay Austin of Title Babes. Last week, we talked about Makeshift Love from Youth Authority, and next week, we'll be talking about a song from the album Good Charlotte. Title Babes is a female-fronted, dirty beach pop rock band from Los Angeles. Their most recent release is Sunny Songs for Dark Days back in October, and that consists of two songs, All Night and Creepin'. Their music is a lot of fun. They're very intelligent and just very creative individuals, and I really enjoyed talking to them. We do talk about mental health and self-image as it relates to this song, but it's from a perspective of self-care and wanting to take care of ourselves the best we can. So it's very positive and nothing that I think should be too dark or upsetting, but I always like to give that uh, heads up. I also want to remind everyone to please continue to check out antisemitism.car.co and blacklivesmatters.car.co to learn more about antisemitism and the Black Lives Matter movement, respectively. You know, even this week uh, online, I ran into people that I felt had just a negative interpretation of something I said because I included in a post that I was Jewish. And it was upsetting. And I, I just would encourage everyone to continue educating themselves um, on people they don't understand, people they don't know, people they don't understand from all sorts of different backgrounds. And if anyone has suggestions of other things I might want to link, other educational resources to link to, I would love to hear them because I, I think it's important. Finally, Generation GC stickers are here. Do you want a sticker? Two things you can do. Number one, go to anchor.fm slash generation GC pod and click support. And that helps me keep the show going and get the equipment I need to make it the best I can be, which is headphones, microphones, cables, adapters, chargers, things like that. Um, everything that I make from the uh, anchor goes right back into the show, whether that's equipment or printing and mailing stickers. Um, I'm not pocketing anything from it. Number two, you can make a charitable donation. Go to blacklivesmatters.card.co. There's a lot of really great organizations listed there and just make a donation. Whatever you can afford is great. And then you're going to send me a screenshot of either your support of the show on anchor or your charitable donation, as well as your mailing address. And I will send you stickers. Very exciting. Wow. Y'all, the stickers are like holographic. They're very cool. Yeah, that's about it. And make sure you're following Generation GC on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, because I'll occasionally post things there, just other things you can do to get stickers. And just stay in touch with the show. Thanks for tuning in. And now on to episode 40. Hi, my name is Chris Qualls, and my pronouns are he and him. Hi, I'm Lindsay Austin. My pronouns are she and her. So, self-help is track two on Generation RX, Good Charlotte's seventh and most recent studio album, released in 2018, so a little over two years ago as of the time of recording. 
Track one is Generation RX, the title track, and track three is Shadow Boxer, which we did on episode eight of the podcast. Self Help was the fourth single released from the album in October 2018, and there is a music video, which we'll talk about. It's a great video, it's a lot of action. Yeah, the, it's really good. Yeah. The album was produced by Benji Madden and Zach Servini. Servini and Courtney Ballard engineered the album with assistance from John London, Colin Schwanky, uh, I don't know how to pronounce that, did additional editing on several tracks, including Self Help. Track was written by Benji and Joel Madden, and they have played it live a bunch. If you've seen them headline since the album came out, they've probably played it. But it doesn't seem like they really played it at festivals. Although I also, as I was like writing that note, I was also like, I don't really know how many festivals they played since this came out, aside from the uh, Warp Four celebrations in 2019. But who knows? I mean, who who knows what the future holds? But bef- before we dive deep into self-help i want to help our listeners get to know both of you chris and Lindsay, and title babes so when did you first hear good charlotte and what were your first thoughts on them so actually i was i think around 14 when i first heard good charlotte and they were honestly one of the first bands that i really resonated with as a teen and, you know, being 14 is obviously awful, and yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't recommend it to anybody. I no, would <laughs> not recommend. Just skip over, <laughs> skip over it. Just you know. skip it. Um, so, yeah, that was kind of like a tumultuous time anyway, and uh, Good Charlotte was one of the bands that really kind of helped me through that. They were actually my first concert, which was also with MXPX. Amazing. It was really amazing. Yeah, so... Oh it was really great. And that's, yeah, that's kind of when I was introduced to them. So pretty young. Um, Admittedly, I haven't followed them as tightly recently as I should have. So I'm really grateful for this podcast because I actually was like, oh, that's cool. Like, you know, I was just kind of checking out what they've been doing and listening to some of their newer stuff. And I really, really like this album. Amazing. I love that. Yeah, I don't think I, I don't think I knew about them until uh, like lifestyles of the rich and famous mm-hmm. was on the the radio. I was growing up in in Southern California, and I was playing in a, a pop punk band. So I had I had heard of them, but never really sure. listened to them until that that big album came out. And then at that point, um, I think my guitar player was like, "Hey, you got to check this out." And it was like he had just heard it on the radio. It was one of you know the first times it had been played on k-rock who always is like uh usually gatekeepers for alternative and and punk rock music on the radio and for mainstream success i don't even live in la and i like follow k-rock on twitter (laughs) that's awesome yeah Yeah, so good yeah so tim came in was like hey man you gotta check this song out and then i forget how we would have even heard it because that was before like streaming or any of that stuff so yeah Maybe we had to like go to the, the record store and buy the CD because yeah. I do remember buying it. Yeah, I remember hearing it. Maybe we just tuned into K Rock all night until they played <laughs> it again. I mean, fair enough. So, uh, Chris, you said you grew up in Southern California. Lindsay, are you also from Southern California, Los Angeles area? No, I actually moved here from Salt Lake City. 
Oh, that okay. was about four years ago. So, so how did you two meet, and how long have you been playing together as title babes? We met, I think, in two thousand ten. Okay. My uh, my old band was on tour, and our drummer at the time, um, Liam, had a bunch of friends in Salt Lake City. From uh, he was also in another band that was from around the area. And so he invited his friend Kat out who brought Lindsay along and we met very briefly in February, 2010 um, in Salt Lake city at the Metro and then had a good conversation, bonded over some music. And then she had to go because her friend's boyfriend got stuck in the snow. Oh no. So they had to go bail him out. (laughs) Yeah. And then Literally. when we, when we came, Literally. yeah, <laughs> when we came back, um, the next tour cycle, uh, in May of 2010, her and I ended up hanging out again, but this time she didn't have to go rescue anyone or anything like that. So we ended up staying up all night and playing songs for each other and just hanging out until my van call at 7am the next day. And it was really cool. Cause honestly, I was going through a real rough period at the time I had Mm -hmm. gone through a breakup of uh, my relationship had lasted six years and it was kind of just a dark time. Everything was going wrong. And and that night made me realize that um, things can go right in the universe and kind of flipped my whole mentality and started everything on an upward trajectory. So I always knew that there was something special there with her, but we didn't get to really pursue it until years later. Yeah, in uh, 2016, actually, is when I finally moved here after many years of staying in touch with each other and Chris always saying, you need to move to LA, you know, you're, you're so talented. I think that you would do really well here. And also we had such a connection that, it just made sense, but you know, life happens and it yeah. took me a while to really figure it out. So 2016, actually New Year's Eve, 2015 was technically my first day in LA. Mm-hmm. And I just wanted to start the year off fresh here. So what a great way to start the year moving. Yeah, it was really, it was really special. And then in February of 2016, actually on Leap day, February 29th, mm-hmm. we ended up going to Hollywood to see the drums play at this kind of like private, private show. show at New House. It was really cool. Uh, so we went with some of our friends and we were just really like inspired by the show. It was amazing. And we ended up going home and reminiscing about Ooh. our lives of playing in rock bands and how we kind of missed that because we'd both just been almost in like kind of a different pop world. Chris is a professional songwriter for a pub company and you know so he does a lot of pop songwriting and we both just missed playing in rock bands honestly and so we were like oh well let's let's start something and so that night we actually came back to the studio and we ended up writing our first song which is called Do You Want to Come Over? And also that night we developed the concept of writing all of our songs structurally within an hour. 
Wow. So just to keep it lighthearted and fun because there's so much overthinking that always happens. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes, I mean, if I, I'm doing songwriting sessions, you know, three, four times a week and we're constantly thinking about like, oh, is the artist going to like this? Is the A&R going to like this? Is the pub company going to like this? Oh my is God, this, yeah. Is this lyric catchy enough for radio? And so, you know, there's a lot, especially with multiple people in the room and bouncing ideas back and forth. It, it takes a while to write a song. Sometimes you're, so, I mean, I've worked for hours on one single lyric, just tossing out ideas and everyone throwing out, you know, like brainstorming about it and no one being no one being satisfied with it and then coming back to the original idea anyway. So with title babes, we wanted to make sure that it was fun first and foremost and, and lighthearted. So we decided that we wouldn't overthink it. Putting that self-imposed one hour time limit would make sure that we, we trusted our gut and didn't overthink things. And I feel like it, it really works for title babes and the whole sound of it is just, you know, Southern California and fun mm -hmm. and, and light. And I feel that really helps us stick to that formula by, by writing it quickly and not yeah. overthinking. Kind of Ramon style, just keep it like fun, lighthearted. Obviously we get a little more in depth in some of the lyrics, but anything that we start to overthink, we just move past it quickly. Yeah. You know, I like that outlook. Um, you, Describe you. yourself as dirty beach pop rock, which I, you know, it's perfect fit. Uh, there's this <laughs> whole you. like from the music videos to the website to the the cover art for the the songs on Spotify. There's a very like neon vibe, which feels you know kind of eighties nineties, but also just very loud and exciting. What has been your background musically, and how does Good Charlotte fit into that? Like how have they influenced your, your music? When I was, I mean, when I was growing up, I was always in pop punk bands and right. I went from pop punk to uh, like basically punk with synthesizers to electro pop. And I feel stylistically Title Babes is very influenced by all of the like, you know, the the pop punk that I was listening to as a as a kid in the 2000s, including Good Charlotte and Blink-182 and MXPX and Goldfinger and all of that stuff. Um, and then stylistically, I feel like at least the brand of pop punk that I grew up with, which was very Orange County, mm -hmm. beach heavy, was always pretty like bright and loud um stylistically mm -hmm. you know the there were tons of punk rock bands that like really adopted the like the dark leathery studded mohawk type of look but i feel like at least in in southern california a lot of the pop punk scene was like about being punk to the punks you know and yes. like yes and instead of like going all like studded all in in black and like torn up clothes and stuff like that it was very it was very bright and like very surf skate culture influenced and then especially once I started adding um the electro elements in and that yeah. was around the time that everything was like super bright and my and hot topic was just mm -hmm. like neon <laughs> everywhere so 
I'm sure that like seeped in both yeah, consciously and subconsciously. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I ended up starting. Well, I picked up my first real instrument when I was 14. So that was kind of around the same time that I was like into Good Charlotte and the U's and AFI and brand new Taking Back Sunday. I did that whole kind of scene. And that really inspired me to want to get into playing instruments. I grew up singing forever and I always loved that, but I just was like, I just thought it was so badass. And I was like, it'd be so fun and punk rock to like, buy an electric bass guitar because everyone else I knew was learning guitar guitar or piano or something else and I didn't know anyone that played bass and I just thought it was so awesome so that kind of music definitely influenced me getting into rock and punk as far as songwriting goes so um, that was a huge influence for me as far as Title Babes goes aesthetically. I think it's very like my personality. I really, I love bright colors, shiny things, but also sure. have like a dark punk side. So it's kind of, I feel like our artwork really reflects that where it's like a lot of like contrast with like black and bright right. pink and yeah. Yeah. The whole, the whole aesthetic marketing element of Title Babes was, was very, was very curated and stylized before we ever even went public with the band. We wrote like, I don't know, 20 songs, did all of the photos, the logos, just really dialed in what we wanted, the imagery and like the whole aesthetic to be with Title Babes before we even posted the first song or posted our first um, picture on Instagram. We've always been pretty methodical about that kind of stuff and I think it might just be from so many years of professional songwriting but the marketing is is just as important as the music and we really wanted to get that right with title babes and that's why it's like very California heavy and has like like Linz was saying the the neons and the the blacks and the contrasting elements to kind of you know just show you before you hear the song what the song is going to be yeah you're already in the mindset I love that and I mean it's it's so important and I feel like not not to dive into this rabbit hole but I I will share a brief hypothesis that I feel like more bands and artists are a little more aware of that now than often people were in the early 2000s and oh definitely I'm sure so we've talked about this yeah yeah we've talked about this where um we, you know, all grew up kind of playing in punk bands and stuff. And like, even before you have any of that dialed in, you're like, well, let's book a show. We right. have six songs. Let's like book a show. And you're like, you just kind of like hit the ground running with it, which is what we've done historically. So yeah, I think this approach has been like a little bit yeah. better. I love it. And I have to ask because, you know, we're talking so much about aesthetics and the marketing and everything. What is a typical show outfit for you? I mean, do y'all try to like coordinate what you wear when you have performances? We, I would like to say yes, but <laughs> we've got one super wild card in, in our group. My, my writing partner, um, Eric, who I do all um, the majority of my pop songwriting with, he plays bass for us live so he's like the unofficial 
fourth member. He he'll help us write. You know, I think he's written, helped us with like maybe a quarter of the songs and plays with us live. But he doesn't want to deal with like uh, pictures or, you know, podcasts or (laughs) band decisions or any of that stuff. So he has a very like, I'll show up and play when you need me to just let me know. But he uh, is a bit of a contrarian. So every time we try and do some kind of... um, like organized outfit he'll always come through in his normal clothes and just kind of kind of mess it up so we'll all be in like matching outfits and then eric will be there in his like flannel and beanie which is almost the most punk rock yeah (laughs) yeah uh i mean yeah i'm I'm just giving him a hard time he's gotten better about it but yeah we usually like to do um kind of like the the dudes in blacks kind of muted colors and then let Lindsay have the go wild yeah so she so she pops yeah I tend to gravitate towards bright colors like sequins silver sometimes I'll just lean more into the kind of like goth or punk vibe I love it so title babes released two songs in October all night and creepin I think all night I, I, cause I was listening to it all on repeat the past few days I think all night is tied with OMG for my favorite yet can you awesome. yeah can you talk a little about what inspired the song yeah that song is actually old like old. really yeah when um I I wrote that a long time like maybe 2012 and it was uh i was working for john feldman at the time and i had this idea that i wanted to pitch to him and it was it was for an icona pop song and they were looking for something that kind of melded uh punk rock but then that like edm that was popular in 2012 that that heavier style yeah, edm that yeah. was going on then and so I had this uh, idea that I wanted to pitch and ended up writing this song. And then they ended up not even doing the session together. So I just had this, this song that was kind of sitting on my hard drive for years and years and years until we started this punk rock band. And then I was like, oh, well, I can kind of repurpose this for Tidal Babes. And we adjust did it a little bit, took out all of the, um, like the synthesizer and like EDM drum elements that were in mm-hmm. it and made it, made it more, uh, title babes esque yeah. and re-recorded it. And it, and it was one of the first ones that we recorded back in 2016. Whatever, and then it just seemed like the appropriate time to release it now. Cause it didn't really fit with any of the other, like with the EP or any of the other groups of songs that we put out. So we just decided while we're writing these new ones, let's get rid of um, a couple of these old ones that never got released and decided to put All Night and Creeping Out, which are both songs from 2016. Yeah. Amazing. I love that. Um, Just before we dive into self-help, I had to ask, uh, can you tell me a little bit about working with John Feldman, I mean, who obviously has, you know, many ties to Good Charlotte. What 
you know, you don't have to give me a whole essay, but any, any just like highlights of, uh, you know, writing or creating with him? Yeah, it was, it was really cool. It came at a, a really good time in my life. Cause it was right before I was right at the start of my publishing deal. And I got to work on some really big albums, but I think most importantly, what I learned from him was about how to, most efficiently run a studio and Mm. just have your, your workflow down because he had, there were three of us there all working for him at the same time. Um, Funny enough, uh, Zach Cervini was one of the dudes there too at the time. Um, And so like when we were working on the five seconds of summer album, for instance, um, I would go, I would like would mic the drums, get those all set up. And then he would be in there. John would be in there writing with um, five seconds of summer while I was in the C studio editing drums from what they had done the day before. And Zach was in the B studio doing a little bit of vocal production on the used record that was happening at the same time. And then uh, one of the other dudes was in the the main or just the kind of lounge room working on his laptop, doing production on the one okay rock album. And it just taught me a lot about how if you hire the right people and work with the right people, you can get a lot done instead of trying to do everything yourself because just because you can do everything yourself doesn't mean that it's, it's the best approach and it's definitely not the most time efficient approach. So I I had some really good opportunities and and learned a lot. I mean, he was a super nice dude. I have nothing but positive things to say about that experience personally. I think something a lot of creative types of all sorts, I'm talking musicians and writers and painters, like a common fault people have is that they don't necessarily focus on the the workflow part. So they're really, really good at their craft, but they're like, oh, I'm just going to do everything myself. And they they don't necessarily think to, okay, maybe, maybe I can enlist some other people and maybe it will even be easier and turn out better. Yeah, it was a big lesson for me to learn when yeah. during that time, yeah. for sure. I love that. Well, so let's dive into this song. So Scott Waldman had connected us over the summer. Um, I had Scott on the show very early on. Uh, I didn't know anything about Tidal Babes when he sent me your music, but I was digging it. And he said, you both love GC. So why did you want to talk about self-help in particular? I think this song is just really, really cool production-wise, like the writing, all of it. I love the lyrics. I think it's so relevant. And I think it you can really follow the struggle, you know, where it's mm-hmm. like, I think my favorite line is, I'm working on my insides because outside there's no reasoning. Yes. And that's so, I think that, you know, maybe people are coming around to it now a little bit more, but I think it's so important to work on yourself Mm -hmm. and it's, you know, it's just like stretching after you work out or getting a massage. Like you, you need to like take care of your mental health. And I don't think that a lot of people have realized that maybe until more recently, you know, and it seems like a lot of his feelings and emotions had been suppressed for so long. And now Mm -hmm. he's like actually 
processing it. And I just think that's like so super cool, especially in the punk rock scene where traditionally it's very like bravo, tough guy. You don't want to show your your emotions too much, you know? Well, and it's like even and I think about this more with bands like uh, you know, Blink or Newfound Glory. And this is not like a criticism, it's just like an observation that a lot of the a lot of those bands often when they talked about things like relationships, it would be with a sense of distance, like emotionally. Like, okay, this right, happened yeah. and like this girl, you know, fucked me over, but like I'm not gonna tell you how I feel. I'm just gonna say like all the things that happened. Uh, yeah. Totally. And I think good Charlotte is you know, even at the beginning tended to be a little more tuned in emotionally, but yeah, I think, I, I think this song is definitely about ignoring kind of your, your mental health and self care. I think it's about not liking yourself, needing self help. Uh, what I got specifically from the first verse was that, you know, when they started out and they were struggling with their careers and money and you know trying to find a place to live and everything they would be so focused on their dreams that they kind of neglected taking care of themselves and their mental health suffered so that's what i got from that um and i really yeah. like the i really like the line idle thoughts will do their thing uh i think that's right. something that probably resonates with a lot of people the past you know seven or eight months because when you don't have as much to do and you're alone with your thoughts, you you spiral. Yeah, that's funny because that's exactly what this song kind of represents to me. I mean, mm -hmm. all all art is subjective, you know. And, totally. And when I listen to this, I am like thinking about like myself when I'm lying awake in the middle of the night and can't sleep, and you start to like spiral out with like you know anxiety or like mm -hmm. some of these um existential crises you know and to me that's what i imagine that this song is about is that moment where like you've been so busy going and going and going yeah. all day and it finally catches up with you and you're just like holy shit what am i doing right now and yeah there's that there's uh, this whole song has like a it seems like it has a lot of anxiety to me, but that might just be because that's what I deal with the most. And it, so I just, I'm just, yeah, picturing. Even the, the, like the instrumentation of this song, you know, it Joel's vocals. Yes. But the instrumentation of this song too, was just very tense. Yeah. hundred mm -hmm, percent. It's very like, I, I got to do something. I got to do something. But what do I do? What do I do? What, what's going on? What's going on? Um, yeah, yeah, and I think what Lindsay was saying is it kind of segues nice into the the video because mm -hmm. like self self help and just mental health in general, it's it's a constant it's a constant battle. It's not just like, hey, I did this one therapy session and now I'm good. You know, you're always yeah. always fighting, and I feel like uh, that's probably why they chose the the boxing the boxing, analogy, yep. the boxing metaphor in the in the video um i mean because i i do a lot of martial arts Lindsay too and that is is about working every 
day and constantly getting better. And every time there's, there's a big saying in, um, at, well, at my jujitsu gym, which is you either win or you learn. And it means yeah. like, even when you lose, you have to pick yourself back up, figure out what you did wrong and keep working towards that goal of getting better. And I, I feel like that has, you know, there's a lot of similarities with that and <laughs> mental health. You have to keep going and you have, if you have a breakdown, you have to figure out why you had that breakdown, what triggered yeah. it, how you can prevent it in the future, how you can deal with it when it's happening. And, you know, the, the boxing that happens in the video, it starts off and he's just lightly training and it gets all the way up to him hard sparring at the end where he's like made the efforts and keeps fighting and getting better and getting better. And, and, you know, some of the, the, the time-lapse of it, it he's mm -hmm. working every day, it seems like. And I, I mm -hmm. feel like that makes it a perfect metaphor yeah. for self-improvement in the, in the mental health area. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's uh, jump a little bit and talk about this music video. So uh, directed by Jake Stark, who also did the videos for Actual Pain, Shadowboxer, and Prayers. Uh, and I, I just noted that all of the videos from this album kind of fit to a similar aesthetic. Like, even though they're all very different in terms of what's going on, you know, mm -hmm. similar color grading and themes, uh, which makes sense because they're all directed by the same person. Right. Um, I, to continue on the boxing metaphor, though, I think it's, you know, it's like you're never going to be the best, e even if you are, like, number one ranked. Mm-hmm you still have to train as a boxer because you're never going to be like, Oh, I will be able to beat anyone who ever comes. Right. Because yeah. you don't know how, what, what else might come your way. And it is the same with mental health that it has to be like constantly working. Um, we have an episode going up next week, so it'll be up by the time this episode is out, but you all haven't heard it yet, but we have an episode on moving on, uh, from the, from the hopeless that's going up next week. So we talk about some, oh, cool. some similar themes, just needing to keep continually working on yourself. And I think it's, yeah, it's to totally. like, it's easy to like slip up and like, but I found that I need to like track, like how often am I doing yoga? How often am I writing in my journal? Right. And if I it's feel myself slipping, I can, can look at that tracking and be like oh yeah that's because i haven't been keeping up with my self-care so it motivates then, me to keep yeah. doing it yeah i'm totally the same i do i journal as well and i do yoga and i think oftentimes it's easy to when things are going well it's easy to forget about those kinds of things mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and then i will notice a pattern of like oh wow when i when i'm writing in my journal <laughs> It's usually when I'm feeling shitty, you know, but it's important to do throughout all of it. When you're feeling good, when you're feeling bad, it's important to be consistent with it. And yeah. I know personally as well that that is very hard because, you know, when you're feeling good, you're like, I'm on top of the world. I'm going to yeah. show you all these things and, you know, and then it'll hit you and you're like, oh shit. Like, yeah. Yeah. We, I do want to talk more about self-care in uh, a few minutes and like our, our own strategies and everything, but I also wanted to read what the band has said about 
this song about self-help because I think they had a, a lot of insight that was really interesting to me. So Billy told the Cornwall Seeker, uh, he said, the second track on the record is called Self-Help. That song addresses the topic of mental illness. <laughs> pretty, pretty straightforward, right? Right. I think as artists and musicians, everybody struggles with this to some extent and some more so than others. I know our fans have voiced their opinions to us about this. Uh, a lot of this record, the context came from the meet and greets and meeting fans at shows and stuff. I think Katrina has always had a relationship with those people who enjoy our music and relate to it. Um, so not, not not very direct about the uh, the song itself so much as just where it came from, which I think is where a lot of this record as a whole came from, is like actually paying attention to what uh, their fans were dealing with, which is very powerful, I think. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of... I don't know. I feel like there's a mixed response, and I'm curious what you all think about this being musicians. Like, because I think every musician wants their fans to like like the music, right? But how do you? I, I I guess I'm posing this to you. How do you find that balance between making music that hopefully people will like and maybe form like an emotional connection with, uh, and doing what feels right to you? Like I what? Think it's- I think it's kind of shifted Uh over the years. I think like when I was growing up um, in like a lot of rock and especially like hip hop and punk rock and that kind of stuff, like, like Lindsay was saying earlier, it was all about like being, you know, super cool, super tough, being larger than life. And I I feel like in the two thousands and even early 2010s, everything was built on selling fans this image of this like crazy lifestyle that you know they dreamt about but could never be a part of you know and then in recent times i feel everything has has shifted and people are a lot more into music that is relatable to them rather than giving them that whole like escapism element that, that was popular 10, 15, 20 years ago. And I think that actually benefits, you know, bands like Good Charlotte who have always had that vulnerable side rather than like, hey, I'm the most badass, right. toughest dude around. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think that, you know, even in like the the rap world, you know, like think about what was really big 10 years ago was just about like being the most gangster and now you have all logic yeah exactly and everyone's vulnerable and talking about yeah yeah, um and like the the little peep and like uh all Mm, the emo trap that's that's all about like just being vulnerable and talking about your mental struggles and how you feel like you want to die sometimes and i feel like that got so popular because people were sick of like these portraits that were being painted of these artists that were not, not true, you know? Yeah. And I I think now in 2020, especially everyone is responding a lot better to this like surface level, like here's what I'm feeling and you can relate to it because you feel it too. Well, and it's like, 
a, a lot of those images would be shattered when it would be like, oh, such, you know, such and such pop star is hospitalized for an overdose or, or you know, had a, right. a drug addiction. Everyone's shocked. Um, yeah. I, I think there's like more awareness now. Uh, you know, it, it's still obviously a, a big issue that people just, you know, just getting treatment for mental health. But like, I even think about one good Charlotte talked a little bit about the lifestyle and, you know, I just want to live where he's talking about how famous he is. He's not like bragging about it. He's like, Oh my God. Like uh, there's a lot of anxiety in that song, I think. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, And a a lot of those rappers that you mentioned, like Lil Peep, we know Lil Peep was a huge good Charlotte fan. And I, I suspect a lot of the other rappers, you know, in, in that kind of genre aren't too. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I feel like even I, I don't know. I there's definitely still pop stars doing just, you know, fun kind of pop music, but I even think about like the Taylor Swift album that came out this summer and it's very like emotional and chill and yeah. You know, it's not a record about like mental health, but it's definitely different vibe for sure right. yeah it's got a lot oh, of vulnerability yeah. to it yeah yes a lot of vulnerability even though she's like oh you know it's a story and these are characters like obviously you know there's a lot of personal vulnerability in that i i oh, would yeah. i think i mean in any songwriting even if you're writing for someone else you put part of your story in it yeah you know it's that's just what happens as yeah, what an artist do. and i think songwriting is such a such an intimate and vulnerable thing that it's hard not to do that yeah so i wanted to read also an exchange uh with that benji and joel did with npr uh the name is m-i-c-h-e-l so i don't know if that's michael or michelle uh martin but the host asks you know, it does sound like a very heartfelt letter that you could write to yourself, right? And that they're wondering if the band ever worried that their audience that they want to speak to wouldn't be interested in what they have to say anymore. And Joel is saying that they have questioned where where do we fit into music today? And he says, I think at some point we had to just accept that we don't know. And that our best foot forward is just to be honest and to make records that we like, that we're proud of. And Benji talks about remembering all these really tough mornings on the bus ride to school. We were getting beat up by life in every direction at home at school and thinking about the records they would put in their headphones uh, that you listen to that just give you confidence and give you that strength to get through the day uh, and go like, I'm going to be somebody. And I think that's kind of what they were trying to do with this song, hopefully. Or they were trying to communicate that feeling, right? That when you don't have that self-confidence, where where do you go? What do you do? And Mm -hmm. music, I think, helps a lot of people, you know. A lot of people, Lindsay, that you shared, you know, you found Good Charlotte when you were 14. I was, I think, I was 11. And a lot of the people I've talked to, when I asked that question at the beginning, say yeah you know some some were like early teens and they were not having a good time for one reason or another right right yeah common story um yeah but and i think yeah no go on oh i was just gonna say i think um i really like this interview they did with npr because 
it's, you know, everybody always wants to like stay relevant and, oh yeah, you know, do give the fans what they want or whatever. talks about the struggle of trying to stay relevant though. Yeah. Right. And I just think that's like so cool to hear that. And they just, they want to give to their fans what other musicians have given them, you know, on the days that they need something to get through. And I think that's like, that's just really cool to hear that. Yeah. I'm that feeling of just wondering where you fit in or if you even do fit in anywhere, you know, no matter who you are, that's going to cause you some self-doubt and, like, questioning of, like, you know, your identity and your purpose. Um, And I think that's, you know, the idea of where they fit in music today is honestly pretty central to Good Charlotte, you know? Uh, And I don't necessarily want to ask that as a question because that's, like, that's so broad, right? Like, what do we say? Like, where do they fit? in music today um i don't know maybe maybe without going on a too deep of a rabbit hole any any thoughts on where good charlotte fits in music today i think that i mean for any for any artist just like you were mentioning staying relevant is almost harder than getting popular and yeah in yeah. the beginning, you know, because everyone there's there's always a time frame that people tend to like stick with. It's usually um, you know, like middle school, high school, college. Like the the stuff that you listen to then is the stuff that you tend to always fall back on when you're having a hard time or yeah. just like when you're driving by yourself. Like I still you know, like the majority of the music I listen to is the same exact stuff I listened to in like 2004, mm-hmm. you know? And I think that it's, they, as a, as a band that's been around for what, 20 plus years yeah. now, almost 20 years now. Over um, 20 years, it's 20, yeah. 24, 25. Wow. You have to like it's a tough balancing act, right? Cause you've got to like appease all these fans that are used to you sounding a certain way, but then still trying to pull in these new younger fans. And mm-hmm. like at a certain point, if you evolve your sound too much, then you're alienating your core fan base that got you popular in the mm-hmm. first place. But if you keep writing the same album over and over, you're not going to resonate with these younger kids that are used to music sounding a certain way. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know. I, sometimes I think that this album is, is a, you know, that seems to be like a key theme going through mm-hmm. it is their own relevancy. Oh yeah. And I, I don't, I don't know exactly where they fit in. Cause they obviously have legacy status in the pop punk world but they're but also they, not like a you know there's some pop punk legacy bands that will do like anniversary tour after anniversary tour and and such like that and good charlotte i feel like has never leaned too too heavy on the legacy. no and i i love that about them i feel mm-hmm. like they yeah. evolve i mean when they remember when like the river came out and they mm-hmm. that whole album was like very dance rock and like contemporary for the time and i, I thought it. i thought that shit was so <laughs> sick i yeah i really like that they like 
took their sound, but just like incorporated modern elements. And I, I think that Zach did a really good job on this album of making it sound like a classic good Charlotte album, but also very, very contemporary as far as like the production and the, you know, the mix and, and yeah. the overall record sounds like a record made in 2018. But these songs, you know, some of them could have could have been written in 2010. Some of them could have been written in 2002. Mm-hmm. And I, I think they did a pretty good job of on on this album of balancing, you know, the classic sound with the new sound. And yeah, I do think they did a, a good, good job of, you know, keeping their their core fan base satisfied, but then having elements that will appeal to kids that are 14 right now. Yes. Mm-hmm. One thing that that I think of in terms of like where do they fit into music today? And I don't know how big of an influence this will have, but you know, I want to say Lil Aaron had also mentioned he was a big GC fan. Obviously, Lil Peep was. I'm sure so many of those other rappers in that, you know, SoundCloud emo rap genre are are mm-hmm. good Charlotte fans. So I am curious that if that could if that could bring more interest into GC, like as you know, people like these rappers and they're like, oh, I want to see what my favorite artists listen to, what inspired them. Uh, yeah. If that could bring like a new wave or something or just a new, you know, bit of interest. Uh, I really yeah, want to have could... like one of those guys on this show. That would be really cool. Yeah. I could definitely see there being like some kind of feature one way or another to kind of cross those worlds. I mean, it's yeah. it's Travis Barker is doing a lot of that oh, right yeah. now to kind yeah. of Machine like Gun stay Kelly. relevant. Yeah. Yeah, and then like I mean, he did. Uh, he's done tracks with Little Aaron too, and like mm-hmm. he was just working with Kenny Hoopla, and like I feel like a lot of these. It makes a lot of sense for these kids that are super popular that grew up listening to like Good Charlotte and Blink, um, and are very heavily in- influenced when you listen to their songs that are super popular now. That they can bring some love back for these influences and kind of like um bring them into a whole new modern fan base so i wouldn't be surprised if we see you know like benji and joel featured on one of these emo trap rappers uh cuts coming up or the opposite where maybe in the next album they do in what like 2022 or whatever it'll be maybe they'll have some features but i i think that that would be a good idea and it just kind of makes sense with the, the way that the industry and the, you know, alternative uh, punk scene is kind of going that there will be some crossover. Yeah, yeah. some cross. Yeah. Definitely. I, I definitely see more crossover. And like, as I was listening to this record and this song, I was like, this really almost could have been like a Lil Peep song or something like that. Like, yeah. It, it really almost could have been. Uh, do well, you- yeah, you could you could take the same same melodies and same mm-hmm. chord progressions and just put yeah. like trap drums under it, and you're 100 yeah. percent right. It would yeah. sound yeah. exactly yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah. So, do either of you have any like memories or stories that you want to share about this song? I I mean I I chose when we were talking about 
which song to do. I wanted to do this one because I, as a, as a songwriter and as someone who is always trying to keep up in trying to keep up with what's like contemporary and current, but like putting your own spin on it. I, mm-hmm. I thought that they did that really well. And I, I tend to gravitate towards newer stuff because as a songwriter, my favorite song is always the newest one I wrote. That's just yeah. kind of how it works for <laughs> artists. I feel that's good. Um, it means you're not slacking. You're continuing to work hard and, and do what you do. Yeah. yeah. And I, I feel a lot of people when they kind of, think about like their favorite good Charlotte songs. A lot of people are going to go with a little bit of the older stuff, mm-hmm. but the new stuff is so cool that I wanted to pick something off of yeah. the, the most current album, because I feel if we're talking about them, this is going to be the most accurate representation of, of where they are right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of cool rather than like, talking about some stuff they did in 2002 or 2007 right. or even 2012, you know, I think it's cool to, to talk about the, the most current emotions they were going through and the most current songs that they wrote. Um, and so I, I don't know when this album came out, I just, I really, I really liked this one. I, I liked the 2016 one, but I, this one to me, it was just like, it felt really good it felt like them but it felt like the modern version of them and i I just i i really i liked it i felt like it was a big win for them and and you know i feel zach did a great job and so i just i really like this album and i was glad that we could talk about this song as opposed to like some of their older work yeah yeah and i i think also you know we were talking about relevancy and you know like writing songs for your fans and all of that. I think this album is really cool because I actually feel like they not only wrote it for their fans, but they wrote it for themselves, mm-hmm. you know, because it was some artists, it gets to the point where you're like, not even, you can tell they're not even writing the songs for themselves. Anymore. Like it's just completely and fan then, service. Yeah, yeah. And then it just loses that like depth of feeling. And I just can really feel them in this album yeah. you know it's yeah authentic. it's very authentic and i i think that resonates even yeah. more with me it i i always like to take a look at like how a song kind of fits into the man's catalog and this the first verse of this song you know i want what i want i always have when no one cared about me dreams were all i had it makes me think of Waldorf Worldwide. It makes me think of festival song, you know, where they're talking about their dreams of making it big, what they wanted. It makes me think of March On, where they talk about their dreams of California. Um, and then the second verse, you know, Life Was a Cold Song That Taught Me Not to Cry. Uh, obviously, it seems like a reference to Cold Song on this record, but it feels very self-reflective, I think, mm-hmm. this yeah. song. Um, yeah, some nice little Easter eggs in there. Yeah, yeah, because there's there's definitely, and I, I don't want to like call out bands by name and like trash talk, you know, other bands. But you know, there's some bands that will be like, yeah, you know, a lot of our fans were telling us how they struggle with depression, so like we wrote a, a anti-suicide song, and it's just so phoned in, right? It's mm-hmm. so like not real, and like, it, yeah, and inauthentic, yeah. Yeah, and it's just like what, like 
what is the purpose of you doing that? Like, because you know, people will grab onto it emotionally and it'll give you some like good, you know, trending or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Like, but this album does not feel like that at all to me. Um, I I believe the kids call that clout chasing. Yes. Clout chasing. chasing. The the children would say that. Um, Yes. Yeah. I would not say good Charlotte are clout chasers though. Uh, no, no, not they seem. I mean, they've always seemed very authentic. Yeah. Even like, even when they were like dating celebrities and on like, you know, I just, I feel yeah. like they were always true to who they were. Yeah, definitely. Oh, completely. Yeah. And it's definitely something I feel like I saw more of through reading, you know, all the interviews growing up and everything as well as doing this show right like reading you know going back and and reading old stuff um yeah i really love that we are going through the interviews of this song because i i without you would not i didn't read them until you um brought them up and i just it's so cool so like i just think their interviews are very yeah again like authentic and just very inspiring to like hear them be real about it you know yeah well let's let's read some of these uh these reviews um we'll talk about i do want to make sure we talk about uh a little more about the self-care um but let's read some of these reviews uh when the horn blows called the lyrics pain drenched and they felt that the lyric to cut like a knife it feels like a fight to take back your life Excuse me, they said that that is ostensibly referring to self-harm, a common symptom of depression. It doesn't necessarily refer to only the physical side of it, rather the idea of damaging yourself mentally and the pain that can accompany trying to piece yourself back together again. I do not get that, like, self-harm reference from this song. I think that's very much... I got more of the mental reference. Yeah, Yeah, I always thought of it more of as of a metaphor than like a literal knife too. Um, yeah. I, but I mean, maybe also, I mean, also the idea of like boxing and cutting someone in boxing. Like, isn't that a thing? Like you have a wound and they cut it or something. Oh, to release the yeah. swelling. Or yeah. 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 To release the swelling. So I, I mean, I, I wonder if this person was thinking about the videos. They wrote that too. Yeah, maybe. I think I think it is definitely more of a metaphor, I would agree. Yeah. Um, but I mean, that's the beauty of, of all art, right? It's, right? it's all subjective. So maybe this, um, this reviewer, this critic, uh, had dealt with that themselves, and so it spoke to them in that sense. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, Distorted Sound Mag was not a fan. Uh, so we're just going to read those. It is difficult to remove your mental bubble wrap from Good Charlotte, all caps, and listen to them as anything other than a lighthearted pop punk band. I read that and I'm like, this person, I don't think, if they call Good Charlotte lighthearted, I don't think they ever really pay attention to Good Charlotte. But Right, right. Um, the Quintet are arguably just as synonymous with early 2000s pop punk as any other band bar Blink-182, but both new record Generation RX and its predecessor Youth Authority are as far cry from their youthful tones as you could imagine. Self-help 
comes across as an overly forced attempt at being filled with modern intrigue, large technoscapes, echoing vocals, and even a mini breakdown chucked in for good measure. It's Musical Spaghetti Junction. I want to go to Musical Spaghetti Junction. That sounds yeah, like a fun that? place. <laughs> you know, maybe maybe listen to music and eat some spaghetti. I Wow, yeah, that sounds really I can, fun. I can yeah. definitely do that. But they do That's say so that good. Joel keeps tight control over the record with his melodies. Um, yeah, so... I, mean, I feel like this... I feel like right from the very beginning they tell you that they're already biased about it and yes, aren't going to exactly. give it like a fair review. Exactly. Which is like a common theme in a lot of the reviews, you know, the negative ones, especially that people will go into it saying, Oh, well, good Charlotte. Blah, 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 blah. And I'm just like, you're supposed to be reviewing this from an objective standpoint, which is why yeah. I have yeah. never written a review of a good Charlotte record. And I, don't know if I ever will. I've I've written about the band a bunch and I have reviewed their shows, but I've never written a review of their records. And I like I don't know if I ever could because I just wouldn't be objective. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and it also sounds like this person basically only ever listened to Lifestyles of the Rich and the Famous and then is judging everything they've ever done based on right. That, you know, and that's not fair. I feel like that's right. Especially as someone who should be doing a very in-depth, objective article. Like, that's literally your job. <laughs> I feel like do your research. Do your research. Yeah. Um, a few sites felt it was classic and very reminiscent of their early material. Uh, Stars and Scars said, Self-Help is the album's most traditional example of the pop-punk genre, an electric-tinged headbanger, it's built on bold instrumentals and a chorus as catchy as it is emotional. While much of the album approaches its mental health themes with a fairly dark outlook, self-help is mostly optimistic with its rising melody and call-to-action lyrics. I love that! Yeah, it it definitely is a song about a lot of pain, but there there is a lot of hope in it because they're not saying, I hate myself and I want to die, they're saying, like, I'm trying to find meaning, and, like, I want to get through this, you know? Yeah, it's, yeah. like, encouraging to fight to get better. I think yeah. that's why I love it so much. It's not just yeah. self-deprecating. It's giving you hope and seeing, like, seeing that there might be opportunity for change, you know? Yeah. Uh, Dead Press said they have their mojo back. Upset Magazine. Yeah. <laughs> Upset Magazine says that it sticks closely to their classic sounds of old. And Exclaim said that self-help shares the most DNA with their pop-punk foundation. Uh, I do have to read one more not-so-positive review, though, from acclaimed, unbiased, high-quality writing very continuously well respected and known for being you know just very open-minded to every band uh website punknews.org gave this song a two out of five they say the first three proper songs all aim for modern rock radio Titles like self-help and actual pain are meant to be genuine, but they're underwritten, relying on tired cliches like searching for the meaning of living in these feelings. And the worst part is their intentions seem good. It's the execution that's lazy. Ah, 
mean, can't please everyone. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, they they I'm got the what West they're Farmingdale. saying. Like, well, what's funny about it all is that being punk rock was about being against the norm and pissing people off. Right. So it's kind of punk that Good Charlotte gets so many like angry reviews. Yeah. That's yep. That's exactly what I was going to say. That might be the most (laughs) punk rock thing of all is to do whatever you want to is to get punk news to trash you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I've been, I've said before on the show that I would really like to have like someone who wrote a review like that on the show and mm-hmm. ask them if they still feel the same way, like go line by line through an angry review with a person who wrote it and be like, so what did you mean by that sentence? Do you still feel this way? <laughs> Do you regret what you said? Um, I think that would be very funny. Try, you should try and get a contrarian on your, right. right? Yeah, that'd be great. Uh, let's read some fan comments from YouTube. So Theo, said his voice literally sounds the same as 15 years ago and veronica wallace says that they've stayed true to their sound keeping good music alive but craig the gamer said this is actually sick bit of a switch to a post hardcore sound um yeah so everyone feels differently uh there was also an amazon a, a german reviewer on amazon said quality over quantity and that this sounds like how good Charlotte can and should sound in 2018. Of course, it sounds a little more modern than in the early 2000s, but the power and the missing brutality is back 10 out of 10. I love that one. Yeah. Before we do our, our wrap up, I wanted to talk about self-care uh, and how we help ourselves and take care of ourselves real quick. Uh, I mean, we both, Lindsay, I think we both talked about journaling, but... Chris, did you have any like self-care strategies or or anything you do to take care of yourself that you wanted to mention? I feel like a lot of mine is tied into the like physical elements. Like Mm -hmm. I I feel like exercising and I feel like especially martial arts helps me with all of that because it's like one, I feel like the actual act of exercise itself it gives you the you know it gets the chemicals going gets your heart rate going and it gives you a little bit of confidence for the rest of the day but i i feel specifically that like doing jujitsu and muay thai and and all the stuff that i do you're constantly being like humbled and you have to stick with it to get better and it's it's like constantly knocking your ego down. And I I feel like that's usually my biggest problem. Um, And so when it, when it comes to, when it comes to that kind of stuff, I, I feel that the physical, the physical activity really helps a lot, but as far as trying to take care of like the anxiety and all of the mental issues that I have, I find that, um, songwriting helps a lot with yeah. that because I'm constantly writing songs every single day. And in a way that is just kind of like a journal that's set to music. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of the same thing. If I'm, if I'm dealing with something that's heavy or any kind of emotions that need to be processed, 
I'll usually write a song about it sometime that week. And that'll, that'll help me kind of realize that I'm like repressing all of this or that this, Mm -hmm. I actually feel Mm -hmm. this way about as I'm like writing it out on paper and then like putting it to music and singing it out. Like it, that's my, my other way of, of dealing with this kind of stuff and processing emotions is usually songwriting, which is essentially just journaling in, <laughs> yeah. a, in a more structured way. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Absolutely. Yeah. I think something that I want to mention that I do personally is I, I, as you're talking, I'm like, God, I really do need to get better at exercising more regularly. Uh, I like, I went back to the gym for a minute, but, nobody's wearing masks so I was like nope um but something that I've picked up purely because it just keeps my hands busy so I can't scroll through my phone is knitting which feels like such an odd thing to say is like my self-care but yeah it's like I can I can put on the tv put on podcast or something and I'm like I, I I can't be scrolling through my phone I can't be checking my yeah. work email i am like making you know some hat with yarn that i bought at target and yeah i love that that's great and i think it's really important to do activities like that where like, yeah. even like driving for example like i get some of my craziest ideas driving or it, yeah. it kind of forces me to like process my thoughts because i can't be distracted by my right. phone you know Right. Well, and if it makes you happy, I mean, there's so, so much stuff going on, especially right now in 2020, that's really kind of fucked up. Yeah. It's nice to find little things in life that actually like bring you enjoyment when so mm-hmm. many big things are like just so depressing and such a bummer. Yeah. So if like, exactly. if like knitting makes you happy, then that's great. If playing video games makes you happy that's cool going for a run whatever it is you know on an individual level that brings you a little bit of joy in your day then I think you should fully continue doing it yeah and I think what Chris said about the exercise is huge too because I feel the same way where if I can just wake up and exercise then I feel like no matter what else I do in that day, at, at least, least you exercise. I did that. Yeah. And then I feel a lot better about myself. That's why, that's why I've, tough. whenever I've exercised regularly, it's always been mornings, like early mornings before work yeah. or back in the day before school. Cause then it's like, all right, you, you don't, <laughs> you don't get to spend the whole day. Oh, I don't really feel like going to the gym today because you already went to the gym. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You'll talk yourself out of it by the end of the day. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, versus it's like you set like a 630 alarm. I would say like a 630 alarm to to get to the side, have time to go to the gym and shower and get dressed before work. Um, a little easier now because I'd be, you know, working out at home or going for a walk or around the area. But yeah. Um, yeah, totally. What's well, the toughest thing you'll do in the day? So like yeah. after right. you've accomplished it, you're <laughs> like, well, right, it's I like, just. I just ran for 30 minutes and I did not want to do that. So I can for sure deal with this coworker being a jerk on email or whatever. Yeah. Y'all are inspiring me. And now I'm like, all right, I'm going to set my alarm and get up early tomorrow. Yay. Yay. Um, That's awesome. Yeah. No, but that's totally how I feel when I do exercise before work is like, okay, I have to get on like a 
on a Zoom with like a client that's super long-winded or that's just being very particular. And it's like, all right, I can do this. I've already done a thing. I'm yeah, good. Exactly. I've already done one thing. Yeah. I have done a thing today. A thing, totally. Yeah. Uh, so it's only been a little over two years, but how has self-help held up for you? I feel it sounds great. Still sounds yeah. great. I mean, Zach is very, he's always on the forefront of like what's, what's going on in that scene in music, you know? And I feel like, especially when he was doing a lot of the stuff with John, where they had like all the blink record, like they just did so much, so much pop rock in a, mm -hmm. such a little time that I feel like they almost set the sound for like the next chunk of years. Yeah. Um, and I, I feel like it's, it's very clean and very contemporary and has just those little elements of making it modern um, that some people weren't a fan of, like those techno flourishes, mm -hmm. quote unquote, and like that kind of stuff I feel actually makes it sound really cool even though that reviewer from distorted sound didn't right. particularly like it or whatever yeah um but yeah i feel it i feel it holds up and i feel like it's still gonna sound really good in you know like five years from now still mm -hmm. yeah. i almost think too listening to it now it kind of hits me a little bit differently just after this like you know this year's been crazy and whatever i think that in a weird way, it kind of like resonated a little bit more listening mm. to it now. Life was too good for you in 2000. Yeah, I mean, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it still hit me, but I think, I don't know. I, it kind of hit me in a different way. It's interesting. I love that. Uh, so a couple of questions to wrap up. So what has Good Charlotte meant to you over the years and how has that changed? I mean, I, I think that, of course, they've just had like such an impact on me and been a source of inspiration. And I think, again, like what Chris was saying, you know, when you, like when you're feeling down about something, you want to circle back to something that reminds you of a time when you like felt good or you know, almost like when you're, when you're sick, you want your mom's yeah, chicken soup. It's yeah. like comforting. And I think that, um, no matter how much time passes, they can always be that for me, you know? I yeah. That. I, I think for me, I just, I've always responded to their authenticity and I feel that's very inspiring as like an artist as a band, just that you, if you're true to yourself and true to your fans and just, you know, keep it real more or less, mm -hmm. then you're going to be able to have a much longer career than like chasing fads, doing yeah. what's hip, doing what's popular for the sake of doing what's popular and writing what you think other people want to hear versus what you actually have to say. And I think that's pretty 
inspiring as a as a songwriter you've got to stay true to yourself instead of like basically pandering to yeah. get to get likes to get radio play whatever it is and i know that's tough thing for me to say as a professional songwriter <laughs> where yeah. i spend half of my half of my life specifically writing songs to try and get other people to like them but yeah. as far as my own actual art and our band it's good it's that you big, have that like distinction in your mind yeah i mean it's really funny because i honestly think of it as like i i will tell people like oh yeah my day job is writing <laughs> pop songs for right. concord publishing and cut craft yeah. music group but i i think about it hundred percent different than I do for you, songs that it's also, I'm going to put out for myself. And that's, I think a really healthy tactic for anyone in like a creative job, so to speak. I, I work in music full time. It's, I don't work in like a creative role. Um, and my company isn't like a creative company per se. It's like marketing. Uh, but I think, you know, people hear that saying, if you love your job, you'll never work a day in your life, which I think, kind of gives you pressure to like work 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 and like yeah not necessarily develop your own thing and I think it's really healthy mentally to be able to separate what is work and what is my own personal creative expression my own thing that I do that fulfills me yeah mm -hmm. totally I think it makes it easier for me um because I know like when I'm in a session, I know that this song is going to be like for this other artist right. or this song is going to be pitched for this commercial. But like I know going into it that this is not my art. This right. is something right. I am doing to assist someone else's art. Yeah. And so that makes it easier to like kind of. Right. It's like a clear um, separation. Yeah, yeah, totally. So do you all have any last words about self-help, about Good Charlotte, about title babes or about yourselves that you wanted to share um i mean i'm i feel like we've covered a lot of ground so this has been awesome Yay. um i totally appreciate you checking out our music i think our new songs i i feel like people are really resonating with them so i'm stoked on that so we have yeah all night which you said you really love and then yes. as well so you can hear those on Anywhere, uh, all, everywhere. All yeah. streaming platforms. All streaming platforms. YouTube. Um, Amazing. We're doing, I mean, I don't know if this episode will be out before, uh, probably, yeah, before our live stream. But oh, yeah, the live stream. December. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, yeah, we'll be up, this will yeah. be up in December, yeah. But we're doing stuff where, you know, follow us on Instagram. We like to stay really active with our fan base and, you know, I'm constantly just messaging with people and, talking about, I mean, honestly, mental health, like all kinds yeah. of interesting stuff. So if, yeah, if you like our music, definitely connect with us because that's part of what I love about doing music, you know? Yeah. I love that so much. Well, before we do our little outro, I do a Generation GC and Friends Spotify playlist. So I include the song that we cover on the show. And then I would like from you both, Whichever, you know, if you can give me one title babe song to include, like, what would you give to kind of a new listener? And then if you each want to share just one recommendation of something you're listening to lately, can be anything as long as it's not Good Charlotte or your own band. 
<laughs> that's all I listen to is guitar right. with my own band. Yeah. yeah. Oh, damn. Uh, for me personally, I would say for Tidal Babes, um, probably OMG. I think that's mm-hmm. that's a pretty good introduction to the band. Yeah. Uh, and as far as music that I'm really pumped on right now, I'm I'm really digging the new Kenny Hoopla song. I think it's called How, oh, it's such a long title. How Will I Know Peace If I'm Buried by the Side of the Freeway? Okay. Oh, I love that. That song has been, I don't know. I just, I love that song. It's really cool. It's got like major, I kind of like block party dance punk Ooh, type vibes. Okay. Um, I got to check this out. Yeah. It's really yeah, he's really cool. So I've been listening to that a lot lately. So I'm going to go with that as my recommendation. Yeah, I, I think that. for, you know, as Chris was saying, like you're always the most excited about your newest material that you're putting out. So right now, All Night is like totally my favorite. And I think that that would be really good. Uh, as far as what I'm listening to personally, I really love the band Mr. Gnome, which is kind of like different from the genres we've been talking about. Yeah. But they just released a new album and it has like 20 songs or something crazy. It's like oh my massive, God. but I just have been really loving their new album. It's super, yeah, it's just really fitting my vibe lately. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. Where can people keep up with you on the internet? Uh, we're probably the most active on Instagram, but also Facebook. We, you know, have Spotify, Bandcamp, Babel Music, all that stuff. Um, if you want to connect, Instagram is probably the best way. Yeah, and it's uh, title underscore babes. We're still working on getting the, the regular fish, one. Right. There's someone from like. Someone that has never posted that just is kind of sitting on the name and we have to figure out. Yeah. I think we have to get, I think we have to trademark title babes to technically Technically get Instagram to give us the handle. So it's, we're working on it. We're working on it. But as of, as of December right now, what it, which it currently is, (laughs) it is title underscore babes. Amazing. Well, thank you, Chris and Lizzie, so much for coming on the show. My name is Molly. I've been your host. Last week, we talked about Makeshift Love from Youth Authority. Next week, we'll be back talking about a song from Good Charlotte, the band's self-titled debut album. You can follow Generation GC at Generation GC Pod, P-O-D, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And you can follow me, Molly, at M Huddleson. M-H-U-D-E-L-S-O-N on Twitter and Instagram. Thank you for tuning in. Please make sure to subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Overcast, wherever you listen, so you'll be sure to see the new episodes as soon as they come up. And please rate, review, and tell a friend.